Welcome to another episode of Ordinary Celebrity. My name is Jeff Noble, and I will be walking you through today's episode with Mitch Bettis. He's my college roommate, and he's a great friend, and he's also a business owner, publisher, and multimedia magnate. You're going to enjoy getting to know him. So in our first couple of episodes, we looked at an author with Paul Robertson and also a Virginia Tech student uh, who was a basketball player and musician named Jonathan Cabongo. Uh, we had a listener leave a message for us on Anchor, which has been our preferred medium for distributing the podcast. I encourage you to give it a look at anchor.fm. But uh, I want to thank so much for Utah for leaving a quick message about last week's podcast with Jonathan. Hey, Jeff, just listen to your second episode with Jonathan Cabongo. It was really cool to hear um, his perspectives and your perspectives um, on what it means to be an athlete and a Christian and um, how to balance the struggles that we face in life with um, the gospel and, and then also how to love people and how to care about one another. So, yeah, thank you for um, putting on this episode. It was a great um, brain break for me sitting at Starbucks here on Friday morning, um, writing a research paper. So it's nice to take a break and enjoy a cup of coffee while I listen to that. And I uh, hope you get your cup of coffee with Tom Cruise. That'll be pretty cool. Can't wait to hear a podcast about it. Mitch, I want to thank you for joining me on the third episode of Ordinary Celebrity. I know this has been something that you have been wanting to do ever since the first episode came out. Wondering why you're probably third in line. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but we, you and I go way back. I mean, we go way, way, way back. We first met as freshmen in college and we had quite a journalistic and creative adventure together. That's right. So talk to me a little bit about um, what you remember. I know it was so long ago, but what you remember about us meeting and then how we just kind of uh, hit a sweet spot in technological history, whatever it may be, of stepping into a time and place with desktop publishing that ended up influencing both of our lives pretty radically. Yeah, pretty. Yeah. Well, it. Uh, thank you for inviting me, even though clearly I'm no more than your third favorite person in the world. And uh, I appreciate, uh, you know, I love you and excited about the uh, conversation. So, yeah, we met, would have been... Um, um, really about August, uh, early September of uh, 1986, when we were punk kids on an, your book staff. And I believe uh, we'd met a little bit earlier on in high school, I believe, at a journalism convention. That's Although, right. frankly, I don't remember that. You remember that because I make more of a positive impression than you do. But I don't. But nevertheless, I'm told we met at an editor's roundtable and uh, something about you being really profoundly impressed with me. I think that it was... was it was a moving experience. Yes, it was. Uh, but it really connected. Uh, I believe it was on that trip with uh, Beth Shule. And uh, when we ran down to Louisiana Tech, right as school was getting started, and uh, we both joined the, the yearbook staff at Washington Baptist University with uh, Dr. Bill Downs, who was leading that uh, department. And for those who don't have, wouldn't have any contact with Dr. Downs at the time, was uh, really well regarded. Um, uh, media, uh, publications, newspaper, uh, kind of experts and uh, educator in the state and influenced a lot of people. So 
our lives connected there in uh, Flanagan Memorial Hall. And my recollection of that story is we kind of both all appeared at the yearbook office on the second floor of Flanagan and uh, Dr. Downs said something like this. I just bought these new Apple computers. I have no idea how to use them, but I believe they're going to be important in the future. Now go put out a yearbook on them. And these were the, you know, the Macintosh came out in 1984. So this was at the, really the front of that movement. And, and I think you and I spent a lot of hours uh, playing on uh, Mac paint and uh, page maker, but really uh, learning uh, how to kind of navigate that world on a technological standpoint. And really at the time it was, it was an incredible blessing to be handed that experience uh, so early. And the fact that Dr. Downs could kind of see that, and uh, those were incredibly expensive machines at the time. I mean, it, uh, exponentially more than we pay for a Mac now, and they're not cheap now. So he really went to bat for that. And the result of that was, uh, I think, put people like you and me and others who were in programs like that at the front of uh, a desktop publishing movement that led to a lot of uh, profound opportunities. And in terms of our relationship too, we ended up living next door to each other in Daniel South. So that was the other real key uh, connection for us. Uh, we each had different roommates uh, at the time, but we were next door to each other. And then uh, after a couple of years became uh, uh, roommates and uh, after college lived together and uh, launched a business together, which I bet we might talk about here in a minute as well. And so, but it really wasn't interesting that, that freshman year, both on a living situation, uh, we were right there and uh, there were a lot of practical jokes and partners in crime there with uh, our buddies, Andy and Matt and Dennis and Vince and uh, Mark and the whole crew. And then uh, professionally, we could really, in hindsight, now see a lot of professional things coming together of what happened uh, in Flanagan Hall and Bill Downs and those early days of uh, kind of Apple's revolution in terms of publishing. So. Yeah, it, it's crazy for me to think about how Dr. Downs rolled the dice with a bunch of 18, 19 year old kids yeah. and said, here's this expensive equipment. He's such a visionary. Yeah. I, I had never had a computer in my house growing up. So a computer, I was first exposed to one when I went to Washita. It was the Mac Plus, I think it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, um, uh, yeah. In fact, over my shoulder, you can probably see oh, yeah. that I've got a Mac Plus SE and uh-huh. a Mac Plus right there. Nice. Yeah. Um, Look at that. But uh, I can remember Chris Franzetti, a guy I went to high school with, they had a TRS-80. And he lived down the street from me. And so really, I can still remember walking the halls of the dorm at Washita looking for someone that might have a typewriter that I could borrow to do a paper. It's inconceivable, right? I mean, uh, these kids of today have really no, uh, those digital natives really just can't think of a world where that would even be the case. Yeah, and you think about Dr. Downs kind of being a visionary, what, what, the audience here may not fully realize is there's a um, lot of national competitions for things like yearbooks and Washtenaw has long had a history of competing on a national level for top tier uh, design and content awards for their yearbooks. So to all of a sudden say, we're going to do this very differently with new technology 
And you've got to figure out a way to do that just organizationally and operationally, but still kind of perform at this incredibly high level. Yeah, you're right. He had a, he had a lot of faith in uh, a couple of punk kids and uh, all of us there who were, who were coming on board. So. Yeah, it was a surreal experience. I mean, in that time in technological history, I mean, it was called desktop publishing. Today, we know it a lot more as graphic design, yeah. uh, even marketing. And yeah. uh, we did a lot of that without really even realizing it and had so many hands-on opportunities. And so I know you knew from the very beginning what your academic path was going to look like. And I made the mistake of, of swerving off for an entire year into the pre-med route before I realized that uh, communications uh, was going to be much more advantageous to my uh, academic pursuits. Uh, and so jumping in with both feet uh, fast. So freshman year, sophomore year, fast forward to junior year. And you and I had had a lot of conversations along the way, but we concocted this uh, dream of beginning a, a graphic design company. We called it an ad agency. That's at right. the time, Advantage Advertising. But what do you remember about those days of um, just brainstorming, dreaming, so on and so forth? Yeah, so a uh, couple of powerful memories. First of all, and I hope this is right because I've told this story this way a lot of times, but I recall pooling all of our earthly resources together uh, to you know, bring capital, money to the business. And I believe between the two of us, it might have been three hundred dollars. Uh, I mean, it, it was uh, it was it was nothing in terms of that. But that bought letterhead and a couple of business cards, and uh, and then we were uh, Washtenaw Baptist is in the town of Arkadelphia, which is my hometown, and so then we um, um, pretty early on uh, went to a bank. Uh, and uh, met with Carolyn McAnally at Elkhorn Bank, which is now Memory. Southern Bank Corp. And we we told the banker, and our family had banked with them for a long time, but we said, hey, Carolyn, we got this crazy idea. And uh, they lent us a couple of thousand bucks, and uh, we went and bought some some equipment. And but I, Actually, I remember as you and I were concocting this idea, and I run across this document every now and then. We'd kind of drawn out some logo ideas, and I remember we must have been emotional because there was kind of a, a, a kind of a little what looked to be like a, a, a stain on this document, um, like it might be a drop of water from a glass that's condensating. And, and some of us, and I think you wrote tear stain, like uh, one of us must have been uh, even getting kind of kind of teary about this idea that we're going to, uh, these two guys who- uh, Change the world. Yeah, 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 that was it. And, um, and we kind of believed that. And we had this skill that other people didn't. And uh, we were dumb enough to believe that we could go do something crazy. And a couple other people believed in us. And then- so we uh, started out of our dorm room, is my recollection, and then um, we got a couple of clients there in town, uh, namely Percy Malone at what was a drugstore chain, the largest independent drugstore chain in Arkansas, was based in Arkadelphia and called Medicaid. And then he hired us to kind of rebrand some of his stores and come up with a new logo for what he is called All Care Pharmacy now. So anybody in Arkansas might know an All Care Pharmacy, and we had a a lot of that. We did some work with Citizens Bank and, mm -hmm. and suddenly some things started happening there. And then we moved into our first office, you know, on the second floor of the video store, if you remember that. And we, it was amazing. And we lugged this very heavy uh, sleeper sofa up 
742 flights of stairs. It was just the most grueling experience. That might have been my first experience with sunstroke or something, because I can remember getting halfway up the steps and thinking, I'm going to die. <laughs> but then business continued to be able to grow, and we began to do a lot of resumes for other students, as well as other kind of high-end design work, brochure work for others in town. And then we basically then moved into a fairly nice office uh, downtown at uh, kind of an incubator entrepreneur center called Arkansas Enterprise Group. And, and uh, uh, we had uh, started making some friends in that neighborhood. Jack Greenwood, if you might remember, sold the insurance kind of across from us. And then Keith Runyon, who was an investment broker, uh, came into that. And then we moved to another office in that building because we were Mr. Mr. We Mr. outgrew the first office. Hired our first employee, Paige Spann, who is now Paige Beck, who came in and helped. So um, that whole experience was transformative for me. And it was one to do it with you was it was amazing. Uh, but just to have that whole experience of, of um, conceiving a business and launching a business and finding financing and hiring people. We don't know what we're doing. really. I mean, we don't know what we're doing. But the community, I think, was excited for us, you know, and for bankers to kind of turn this over to knuckleheads and somebody like Mr. Malone to kind of invite us to do those things. And it was, it's pretty crazy. Quite a blessing, actually, I think, for, for both of us. It really was. I, I can still remember you being a little bit more visionary in our equipment and insisting that we get an external hard drive at the time and me thinking how absurd it was that we needed more storage than the Macs came with. Yeah, like you five said, no, we, we need an external hard drive and it looked more like a, a pizza box than anything. Yeah. And so you, we went as big as we could go and you insisted that we spend several hundred dollars and we bought a 40 megabyte external hard drive. Wow. Yeah, you were always just, you were so, the cutting edge. Advantage advertising was just an amazing experience. And so uh, I'm going to fast forward several years. So if I can compress it, I went to seminary and pursued a call into ministry. And you continued on the same track. You wound up getting an advanced degree at Oklahoma State. And you stayed in the publishing and graphic design industry. Yeah. For all these years. So can you walk us through your trek from Arkadelphia to Oklahoma, uh, on to Kansas? Right. And so on and so forth. How did you get back into Little Rock, Arkansas, which is where you're currently headquartered? So the uh, uh, here's the quick version of that story. Um, and we'll start, we'll look backwards just a minute. As a kid, you mentioned earlier that I kind of had a picture of what I wanted to do. So I was a paper boy from my hometown newspaper and fell in love with the media business. Loved everything about it. I loved watching that press run and knowing that there was a blank sheet of paper now, or was, and now there's something on it. And then in a minute, I'm gonna be delivering it to somebody's home and they're gonna be clipping it out and, and putting it on the refrigerator and putting it in a scrapbook. It's meaningful, transformative things. And that just thrilled me that whole process, that that's something powerful. My parents did that every time I made an honor roll or had something, a ball team, or something, whatever. It was always on the refrigerator. And I thought that must be mean something. So I fell in love with that early. And then as a paper boy, you're also a self-employed business owner. You were a carrier as well for, for the uh, Little Rock News. Democrat, yeah. 
And so the, you know, uh, something we never did, Mitch, we should have had like a competition on who can put the paper closest to the front door from the street. You know, there's all kinds of sleight of hand, yeah. I mean, rubber banding them, putting them in the rainy data bags. Are you more elbow throw or a little bit of a wrist flick? Did you have a technique? Because that was a bigger paper. You know, that was a, that could be a heftier paper at the time. Well, especially the Democrat on Sundays, I would usually try to get it up over the car because it was a lot easier to do that than try to throw it through the window. Yeah, I have a sneaky suspicion you might have won this because there was more than one time I have been called back to a house in the middle of the night because I threw something on the roof. <laughs> but the beautiful part of being a paper boy is you buy it, wholesale, sell it retail, and you make the spread. You are knocking on new doors to build new business. You invoice your clients, and then they pay you, so you're running receivables. And when you go do something stupid like throw it on the roof, you're having to learn customer service. And I loved it all. So the idea of the creative component of being able to create something meaningful for people, but the business piece of it, I fell in love with all of that. So fast forward then, uh, with that in mind, I had two goals in life. And one was to teach at Washita, And this is goals as a kid. And the other was to own a community newspaper. And I fell in love early with both of those goals. And so uh, ultimately went on to Oklahoma State to get my... Uh, uh, postgraduate degrees so that I could check the box eventually to teach and then had a chance to do that as well. But ultimately then left Oklahoma State and then went to the publishing world selling yearbooks and things of that nature. And then that led to my first um, management training program for a newspaper company that they shipped me off to liberal Kansas, where you basically just do hard time, 80 hours a week, and they are running you in and out of just the whole business and I'm managing a team of people for the first time and learning how to be a manager and learning how to win and learning how to motivate and craft solutions. And, and uh, we had a lot of success there. And then I was promoted to being a publisher. So over the whole newspaper, over content, over printing, over bookkeeping, over sales, over everything in uh, Colorado and Craig, Colorado, and was there for a while and then went to lead a uh, then was a regional publisher over a group of newspapers. So how you know, old are you? I, I was like <laughs> six or seven. I thought, I thought we were the same age, but you've lived this life. I'm like, holy cow. So as a publisher, I wouldn't have to be a publisher by the time I was 30. And we were able to make that. So that was Craig. So I was about 32, went to be a regional publisher. So now over a bunch of publishers. And that was in Aspen and Snowmass. And a lot of people made familiar with that part of the world, but that was the general area. Um, Love that. But then out of the blue, I think God delivered a unique opportunity. A, a gentleman was selling his little weekly newspaper in Northwest Arkansas. And so I left that regional publisher job and bought my, my wife and I bought this little weekly newspaper. So two goals, own a newspaper, teach a washcloth. And I loved it. Love living in that small town, love serving that community. Uh, it's in Rio Blanco County, Colorado, population 5,000. That's the county at two cities, each about 2,000 apiece. But that community was so good to us. And uh, so we own that uh, uh, newspaper for about uh, 12 to 15 years. And while we own the paper, we ended up moving back to Arkansas still on the paper in Colorado, hired somebody to run it. And then I started teaching at Washita. So own a paper, teach it Washita. And I was a man without a goal at that point, but felt really blessed. And um, we were doing that for a while. And then a gentleman I had worked with at the newspaper group in liberal Kansas, the training ground was working, managing a big group of properties 
for a publicly traded, very large newspaper company. And during the summer break, he asked me to come up and do some consulting with the, trying to fix some things with him. And it was a clandestine recruiting operation. And so he made a job offer and we ended up staying uh, with that company. And I was with them for a while. Then they promoted me to oversee a group of their properties. I was in Arkansas and Louisiana. So I left Missouri and was over 14 different papers in Arkansas and Louisiana. Got really frustrated there um, with how we were treating people and community and product. And uh, I would say the values of that company didn't ultimately kind of align with my values and uh, left that company to come to the Arkansas Business Publishing Group as its uh, president and general manager. That was in uh, 2013 and have been there ever since and then bought that company in February of 19. So. Wow. so Mitch, from the time that you and I were in college, right? this thing happened, this this invention, this miraculous. I may have heard thing. of it. it. It's called the interwebs, the <laughs> internet come along. And so uh, you are presiding over print media. That's right. Which also has some online components to it, but you have been very successful with print media. Can you speak to, because that's almost, we hear, you know, we hear every day about newspapers not doing well and layoffs and so on. So speak to what you have identified as being some things that have allowed you to be successful in print media in a screen world. Yeah, we've been really blessed. Um, so yes, we the the our publishing group in Arkansas has actually 25, 26 different magazines at this point. Uh, plus, we have a digital marketing division. We have an event division. We have three full-time event managers there, and and then we have another team that kind of produces agency marketing services, not unlike Advantage Advertising, that we have an in-house agency that's serving banks and and uh, law firms and all of that, but. Our print world is, um, we're a niche publishing company. So unlike say a newspaper, television, or radio that's mass media, trying to have every eyeball, whether they're an eight-year-old kid or an 80-year-old grandma, that's not our company. We're highly niched. We have very focused audiences that we uh, serve and they are typically uh, affluent education decision makers. So we have the state's business magazine as an example. It's a weekly product that is uh, written for and distributed to the top CEOs, CFOs, CTOs, CMOs, uh, college presidents, governors, you know, political leaders, nonprofit leaders. So it really is a an ex very affluent, uh, influential uh, audience. So all of our products, whether they are the state's bridal magazine to uh, tourism magazines, really cater toward a, uh, an underserved audience. And that's been a very good niche for us. We've had, speaking of print, we had a record print years in our company in terms of revenue, if, you, if that's what we're talking about, in uh, 2018. Then we broke that record again in 2019. We launched uh, two new magazines last year, three new magazines year before. before. We're in a COVID world. We've launched uh, one new magazine already this year. We plan two more launches next year. We Print is still a very powerful medium, and it's really about how you craft the content. It doesn't displace. We do a lot of digital work, and uh, our digital marketing efforts, we're working with companies all over the country. Um, in fact, the top I think five out of the top seven 
ad spends, you know, in terms of ad dollars that are bought in our company are 100% digital. So we've, it just shows you how much digital has become part of our infrastructure right. and how we've had to evolve. But print is still a powerful, powerful, productive um, tool for both readers who are looking for information and advertisers who are trying to reach a real uh, specific audience. So, so you, uh, when you and I talked on the phone last week when I was saying if I could um, get you as my third choice candidate yeah, I thought my assistant screened my calls better, but yes, you got through. Yeah. Um, and so I learned last week that tonight you're sitting in Fort Worth, Texas. That's right. And this is a result of quite a journey or a pilgrimage. And yeah. so you're yeah. you're expanding in some senses. So tell us a little bit about right. what led to that uh, and what you're doing. So uh, it's, uh, it's been a humbling and... Um, uh, affirming journey, but uh, November 17th, 2019 was a Sunday. And after church on a Sunday, a particular missionary had been invited to speak at our church about the work he and his family were doing in Fort Worth toward migrants. Really, his ministry is meeting their physical need. And they need an apartment and they need food and they need a mattress to throw on the floor and they need plates and they need somebody who can speak their language and make them feel welcome. And, and, and through that over time, trust bills and this particular ministry can ultimately talk to them about Christ and who Christ is, but it really is first feeding the 5,000, meeting the hunger yeah. need, meeting the physical need before, and then really showing them, we love you. Christ gave us an example to reach out to those that the world shuns. So his whole story struck me. I don't really know what to do with that. And we signed up for his newsletter and we stayed in touch and we tried to help some, but didn't really know what to do with that. December or January of that year, I read an article about a business leader who, um, when he saw a need in a community, he went and bought a business there and used that as a catalyst to help finance and fund and be supportive of some community endeavors. Oh, that's kind of cool. I haven't really thought about that, what that means, but that's interesting. And then February of this year, I get an invitation in my email inbox to uh, purchase a media company in Fort Worth. And I went, that's the point where I started connecting perhaps the godly dots like, oh, is that, an, uh, oh, I, and this probably doesn't reflect well on me. But the first reaction when I put the dots together were, oh, crap. Uh, <laughs> like, I don't want to do that. Uh, I have a good life here. I've got a great company. We're growing. I've got a family here. I've got uh, three kids at the time. All three were at home. Now I still have two girls at home. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to do that. And, uh, but it was, it was really struck at these things started to align. And then, so we started kicking that around that particular business and I started talking to the bank about how could we construct a deal to make this happen. And that wasn't really working out. And I thought, great. I checked the obedience box. You're off the hook. I don't yeah. have to do it. Thumbs up. Uh -huh. And um, we, uh, so that deal didn't happen, but the broker, so much like if you're um, buying a house, you might have a real estate broker. If you're buying a business, there are business brokers and there are those who specialize in media. And the broker who was helping us on deal number one, said at that point, you know, now that I really understand what you're after, I'm about to put another business in Fort Worth, media company on the market. 
and I think you're going to like it. And I went, yeah, sure, whatever. Uh, send me the book when you get it. So fast forward to April, I get the book, this you know multi-page PDF about all the things about this company and who it serves and philosophy and operations. And I, it was perfect. It was a beautiful alignment to what we do in Arkansas. And then it's a lot of overlap to what we do here. And so again, you know, my first reaction was, oh crap. Because uh, this is really, this is, still don't have a way to pay for it. It's, these aren't small transactions and uh, I'm not from money. Uh, you know, I'm a regular dude from LA, lower Arkansas. And, uh, my, we're country folks. And these are just, these are, these are, these are significant multi-million dollar deals. And I said, I don't have a way to do that, but if this is a God thing, he'll figure that out. Early June, sitting on my couch at home, like probably most people staring at my newsfeed and I see something pop in my newsfeed um, that uh, is one of the stimulus programs. And a lot of people have heard me on the Congress and SBA kind of put forward a stimulus program. A lot of people have heard about the PPP or the 7A loan program or the EIDL. There was a variety of those, but one came through the Federal Reserve, which was really unusual. They don't really put out programs like this, but it was their effort to try to stimulate the economy and keep things moving. And you looked at that program and it was, it was built for us. So again, God's continued to just open a door. And as I kind of refer to these as Red Sea moments, you know, you walk up to the Red Sea and you, you know, I can't cross this. I, I, I can't fix this. And you just say, and you watch God open it up and then you walk through and then you get to another one and I can't do it. And it opens up and you walk through and you have to sit and wait for a while. And so the same thing happened with the financing. It was like, uh, wow. A few weeks ago, uh, out of the out of the blue, uh, a woman that had been my boss in a previous media company who has depths and breadths of experience had just uh, left Warren Buffett's media company in Tulsa and uh, agreed to come on uh, with us. So again, Red Sea moment, God provides. And it's been such an incredibly affirming process. It is Hard to deny. It, it cannot be denied for me that God has directed this moment. And I don't really know the all the why of that yet, um, but I have felt like we've been called to obedience and the obedience has been to take this step and then wait and then the see parts and we take the next step. And uh, we announced, well, we signed the papers uh, Friday of last week, but in uh, what I don't consider a moment of irony on November 17th, the exactly one year, so that would have been Tuesday of this year, we made the announcement to the team in Fort Worth that uh, we're your new partners. And and it's been an amazing journey over the past year. And so it's a significant expansion for our company into a dynamic market, one of the fastest growing markets in the country, one of the largest markets in the DFA, DFW Fort Worth Metroplex. And so we're excited and looking forward to all that kind of God has planned here. It's pretty crazy. You had mentioned uh, in your journey, there was a point that you were working for a company that the core values didn't really line up with who you were, what you are. Right. So you, you operate out of a set of values. You're winsome, you're fun, you're, you, you wear red socks with I do. everything. Speak to what you identify some core values you want your companies to exhibit or demonstrate. We refer to it, uh, we've developed an iconography for this so that people will remember it, but we refer to it as the five-legged stool. The five are employees, uh, readers, advertisers, vendors, and stockholders. So we need all need each other. And 
been with other companies, especially those that are publicly traded, where the singular goal was to suck every nickel out of that business and that community and send it to the stockholders. It is a one leg stool. Every priority goes to the stockholder. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of reasons that is a terrible philosophy. We treat people poorly. We pay people poorly. We ask them to work 80 hours a week for no pay. We don't give them good benefits. We're really not taking care of their family. We're not taking care of the community. There's a whole lot of reasons why that's bad. It means we don't pay our bills on time as a, you know, we don't have, you know, everything is going somewhere else, really not taking care of the whole. And I really wanted to be a part of a company and build a company that really valued all those into it. And I talk about the five leg stool and that philosophy is rooted very much in three Bible verses for me. Mm-hmm. Number one, Galatians five thirteen: in love, serve one another, right? Uh, Philippians two, two and four with humility, put others above yourself as a paraphrase. And then Ephesians uh, 521, uh, be subject to one another. Cause and I'm not there just to suck every nickel out of this place for my earthly good. I'm really there to help. I want people to be nurtured and ministered to and touched and cared for. And I want our, our office to have a mind of, of philanthropy. And um, so, you know, we just finished a year where we, uh, the company has been a part of contributing 50,000 meals to the Arkansas food bank. And so, you know, the, all of those things are important to us as we build people. And I hope they see that it comes from uh, a place that it's, that I expect that's what God expects of us. And I share them those Bible verses and it's my way to say, this is how we're going to live our lives and we're going to do business. And, and in fact, the company that owns the, the LLC that's behind the scenes that the government knows that houses our company is called Five Legs Stool LLC because I want everybody focused on this every minute of the day that we're here to serve one another. Mm-hmm. And we're going to try to lay aside our selfishness and put others first about what others need. What, what do you think of when you think of ordinary celebrity? Well, it actually ties into, uh, I'll say ironically, but it's more than irony, but it ties into very much what a, a sermon series our pastor is in at the moment. And it's anchored in a couple of key verses, but the kind of a presentation of his is ordinary people uh, called by God uh, doing kind of ordinary and extraordinary things in the name of ministry. So the fact you've kind of phrased yours, I think what has what immediately struck me when you said that last week was that's not uh, that's not coincidence. And I think so that you, when you tie all those things together, um, I, I, I think God uses regular people every day. That's it. And I, and I think we often think of, but I I think God makes it clear that. Even if you have a title or own a company and there is some notoriety to that, and God uses ordinary people uh, to advance his mission and his call. And I just think, what an extraordinary thing. And, uh, and it's just those, I think those little moments of caring for one another's needs really shows that's a very ordinary thing to do, right? You know, yeah. and, I mean, it's just, that's ordinary. That's not extraordinary. But I think we're called to those moments to show one another that we love them. And once we love them and can walk with them and journey with them and do life with them, our life takes a whole deeper turn. And that's really where uh, kind of genuine relationship means. So when you kind of said ordinary celebrity, it really tied into this whole series we've been in lately on the ordinary. And that is really where ministry and life happens one one another. Wow, thank you so much, Mitch, for joining me. And I know that uh, some of our Watch Talk Connection folks will be excited to 
hear a little bit more about your story. And uh, you are definitely, personally, worth celebrating in my life and in my family's life. I'm extremely grateful for your friendship. But uh, what God has used you for is really extraordinary. And it's fun watching and cheering you on and supporting you in prayer from a distance. So thanks for being part of the podcast.